0: All right, all right, call off the APB, you know, you can, uh, thank you, thank you for putting those wanted posters up on milk cartons, uh, for calling our families and friends, it's all right, we weren't missing, we were just missing in action, but yeah, we're back, we're back here, uh, for another episode of Elwood City Limits, sorry if we, uh, caused you any distress in our absence here. (laughs)
1: Don't worry, as far as I know, I'm going to be doing this for as long as I'm able. I, it's like we signed a uh, our, our Mortal Souls, a way to talk about Arthur, so.
0: Yep, some, <laughs> something like that. Uh, hey, this is Elwood City Limits, and we're back once again in the back half of Arthur, Season 7. My name's Will Young, and that other voice on the line is Lucas Mancini.
1: For a second, I thought you were going to say the back half of, of Arthur in general, and I'm like,
0: I think we're a little <laughs> bit... New, new. A
1: little bit... Well, how many seasons are there? What? 14?
0: Like 24?
1: Oh, okay. So, yes. No, we are oh, we are in the back half of say the first quarter. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I think it's a bit more appropriate. Yeah. Um, yeah, hey man. It's been it's been a while since uh since I kind of talked to you.
1: Yeah, back in the saddle. Uh, you know, it's it's hot boy summer. Yes, I've um, heard yeah, so that's been going on, you know, the area Area 51 hot topic. <laughs> um uh, a lot has happened, I guess, in the past couple of weeks that we haven't recorded an episode.
0: AEW has a premiere date on uh, TNT. Oh my
1: gosh, I'm glad you brought that up. I was thinking about that today as well. Um <laughs> that's 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 the most excited about wrestling I think I've been since like, I don't know. 2015
0: (laughs) it's pretty it's pretty damn cool uh i'm gonna i'm gonna reserve judgment until we get that tv show rolling but uh well it's people are gonna keep getting more and more excited i just hope that they can deliver and as do i yeah for real um yeah it's just kind of been real nuts here i'm like living i'm starting to live in the chaos that is pre-moving because i'm gonna be moving uh, apartments on saturday okay so,
1: th- uh, that's, that's exciting. So thankfully, for you. thankfully
0: we're able to get this episode, uh, out into the, uh, in- into the ether, into podcast world, uh, before my world is turned upside down.
1: And, uh, that's how many, um, uh, uh, do you, have you checked, have you checked the weather for Saturday yet? Do you know if it's going to be, cause it's been pretty hot here in Nova Scotia. You know, I feel like most of the weather talk on, on this show, even though we've been doing it kind of in all the seasons, we've been doing this show for a few years now. I don't think we've talked about how. Well, maybe this is because of global warming, but it's gotten <laughs> it's gotten hot, very hotter than usual.
0: Oh yes, um, nearly forty nearly forty degrees over the weekend.
1: And for our friends in America, who let's say live in places where there's a dry heat, we are by the ocean, and so the heat is about as uh, muggy. As you can imagine,
0: mm-hmm. so it looks like it's going to be sunny and 28 degrees. So I'm sure the humidex Oof. will be behind that. we're getting started early though, so I'm hoping we'll miss the heat of the day by the time the big things are uh, in our new place. Uh, big
1: things, big things in the mo- new place. <laughs>
0: uh, yeah, so we've got a we've got a bit of catching up to do here, kind of getting back into the rhythm of things. Uh, but Lucas, I wanted to turn the floor over to you here because. In the many things that have happened in the two weeks since we've done a proper episode, there has been something that uh, actually I just kind of came to my attention late last week. You're going to have to tell me a bit more about this um, in terms of the uh, the thing with the Kyoto Animation Studio.
1: Yeah, so this is some very sad news that's very near and dear to my heart, but we are, uh, you know, and it's a little bit uh, off topic, uh, but we are an animation podcast, and so when something big happens, you know, when the, the, the Spongebob creator passed away, or the Space Ghost Coast, Coast to Coast creator passed away, we sort of dedicated a little moment on the podcast kind of to talk about it a little bit, just because, you know, me and you, were are both very passionate about animation, mm. Arthur mm. especially, um, but I think we, we are both fans of all animation to an extent. And and as anybody who listens to the uh, filibusters and subscribes to the Patreons know, uh, both you and I, and in particularly me, have been known to uh, uh, be fans of a Japanese anime or two. Um, And so tragedy kind of struck that industry last week. Um, when there was a horrible attack on Kyoto Animation Studio in Japan, in Kyoto, Japan, uh, where uh, uh, someone committed uh, an, an intentional arson attack that ended up killing 34 people at the studio and injuring 34 more, um, intentionally starting a fire at the Kyoto Animation Studios. And it's really a horrible tragedy, you know. it's uh, There's both the cost of, this is essentially destroyed the studio as we know it in terms of their ability to create their animation because that's half the studio gone but it's also there's a very real human cost this is one of the biggest uh sort of violent attacks in japanese history especially in recent japanese history um you know it's it's not it's known for uh not really having a lot of these so it's incredibly shocking to the country as a whole but you know to me Will, i was thinking about this and sort of Looking at the output of Kyoto animation and I'm not sure how familiar you are with the studio well but I was sort of saddened and and also I just came to the realization that when I think about some of my favorite anime of all time like my top five Like I'm talking about the the, the anime. I hold in the highest regard um, multiple of them uh, mul- Some of the shows are Kyoto animation shows for instance, you know um Nishijo, Nishizu, Nishijo—I really want to get. I'm terrible at the pronunciations here, but probably my favorite comedy anime of all time. Um, I, I remember telling you about yeah. the, the scene where she suplexes the deer. <laughs> yes. That, that, yeah. that, that, that I, I hold that show very near and dear to my heart, and. They've also created my favorite slice of life show of all time. Probably the first slice of life anime I ever watched. You know, back when I was just watching show and anime like Naruto and stuff like that in the early two thousands. Uh, the melancholy of Haruhi Suzumiya. Uh, Suzumiya, excuse me, um, is you know top three, top four, one of my favorite anime ever. Like it's just, it's just fantastic, um, and you know, very important to me uh, as getting into anime at a young age in the early 2000s. Uh, you know, the dance was a cultural phenomenon, but the show itself is just... I went back and watched it recently, and it really does hold up. And so it's just so sad and so needless uh, to see, uh, you know, just kind of a horrible tragedy befall uh, a studio that has, you know, created so many... Uh, that's not to even say those are my favorite, but, like, legendary shows, Lucky Star, K-On!, um the list goes on and on most recently um Miss Kobayashi's Dragon Maid and, and Violet Evergarden uh Evergarden it's it's just uh it's a really the movie a silent voice um it's just really sad and I know that there's multiple initiatives in like crowdfunding campaigns if you want to donate to the studio or if you want to buy I think one of the best ways I read is to buy art off their website um, because if you buy like uh, it's like digital images, you could buy digital images off their website and so they don't have to ship it because they don't really have the manpower to do so right now. And so it, that's kind of the best way to support the studio. but there's also you know crowdfunding campaigns and and I don't have that information in front of me, but I'm sure with a quick ancillary Google search, but I just wanted to touch on and talk about you know how sad and what a tragedy this is, but also just about some of these shows, which I truly do, like, Nishijo and, and, and Haruhi really push the boundaries of what a slice-of-life anime can accomplish. They're just fantastic. So, um, yeah, that's my two cents on the the, the Kyoto animation stuff.
0: I know it's going to be near and dear to the hearts of many of our listeners as well. If uh, you know, from our Elwood City Limits Discord to talking with fans through email and everything, I know that uh, animation and anime is something that we all kind of hold very dearly in one way or another. So I'm glad that you kind of took the time to talk about it a little bit. I don't have as much of a relationship with I'd say anime in general or this particular studio uh, than you do, Lucas. So I'm glad that you kind of took the brunt there. The uh, the brunt there, but. I uh, of course think this is a terrible tragedy and I really hope that the studio and the fa- not to mention the families and friends of all of those who are affected those who are lost in this uh, senseless act as you as you called it um, can be just comforted and you know taken care of in the coming uh, time ahead of us so
1: well if there's if there's one positive thing to come out of this you know the anime much like professional wrestling fans anime fans are not really known for their sort of outpouring of love it's it's a real people have a real love hate relationship with the medium mm. uh, uh, where you know they're kind of known as in some cases as a toxic fan base but not in this case this has been sort of watching the anime fandom online and the general a- uh, animation fandom online at large uh, just given outpouring of love to the studio love and support has been really heartening and it really makes me feel good about sort of even it's kind of beside the point but even what we're doing here in terms of you know animation fandom and so yeah that's the, the one positive thing i suppose to come out of all this but i, I again closing thoughts is if you're looking to break into a studio's catalog, uh, uh, Kyoto Animation is, you know, especially if you're a fan of Arthur. If you're a fan of Arthur um, and kind of slice of life shows, I I can't recommend stuff like Lucky Star or or K-On or Nissho or uh, uh, Haruhi uh, highly enough. So um, yeah, if you that's go check them out.
0: All right. Well, thank you, Lucas, for kind of bringing that to light. I think it's very important to talk about is uh, we wouldn't be anywhere in terms of, uh, you know, without the, without the medium of animation. And we want to show some solidarity in terms of that. So thanks a lot for uh, bringing this up. Well, we've got a lot of ground to cover here. So I think it's time that we get into our emails. Show some love to the people who show us love right back. Elwood City Limits at gmail.com. And of course, we've got a couple of them because we've been away for a little while. We got uh, uh, letters uh, uh, clogging up the mailbox. Uh, So first one we got here is from KM Taylor, who saw my interview with the Old School Lane YouTube channel. Yeah, if anybody hasn't seen that yet, go uh, search uh, Old School Lane on YouTube, and there's an interview there with me. And uh, just talk a little bit about how Elwood City Limits got started, kind of my thoughts on Arthur in general. It was fun, and uh, I really thank that channel for having me on Uh, this person wanted to talk about the character development because I always talk about Binky's character development. I do think that Binky has gotten the most character development, but all the characters in some way are a little different as the series goes on. Like in some of the later series, Arthur and his friends no longer call Ratburn a vampire. Not sure why they dropped the vampire jokes. I've also noticed not only have they kind of dropped the vampire jokes, but Arthur and his friends generally seem to have gotten more sensitive around Ratburn. Ratburn has also gotten some character development as well. He's a little softer on the kids than he used to be. He's gotten better with technology. I also noticed in some episodes he has kind of a snarky attitude and likes to debate some of his students or even some of the adult characters. I also prefer Muffy's character in the later seasons over the earlier seasons. Yeah, that's been a treat, I think, uh, as we go through this show is watching the characters grow in their own way and become kind of more comfortable in the world that they live in.
1: It's like, uh, what's the teacher from Boy Meets World's name? Mr. Feeney. Mr. Feeney, I feel like, has a very, you know, Mr. Rapper has a very Mr. Feeney-esque trajectory Mm -hmm. where in the first few seasons of Boy Meets World when they're young, young kids, they sort of revile and and, um, dread Mr. Feeney. But as he sort of follows them around from high school to junior high to... You know, as they grow up, um, Mr. Feeney is uh, someone who they hold very near and dear. And I think Mr. Ratburn has a similar kind of trajectory.
0: I love that trope of the teacher that becomes, that slowly goes from very gruff to being friends with uh, with the kids. I, I don't know. I, maybe it's Mr. Ratburn that made me really appreciate that. And Mr. Feeney as well. I watched a lot of Boy Meets World when I was younger. Our next one is from Alize who uh, has been listening to our show for a while now, has been waiting for DW's time travel episode. It's definitely an Arthur episode I remember really well from my childhood. I recalled the episode always kind of freaking me out a little bit. So I was excited to see how... how I would react to it now as an adult. I still felt emotional and moved by the content. I think this is because I'm a younger sister with a brother who is four years older than me as well. Our dynamic while growing up is pretty similar to DW and Arthur. In fact, I feel like DW gratefully influenced my personality and was the most relatable character on TV that I watched as a kid. That's actually awesome. Overall, it was a really engaging episode that brought back a lot of memories, and I agree with lucas about it being super weird and ominous thanks for the analysis and i look forward to listening more i never thought of dw as relatable to some of the younger kids
1: i'm true i was you know it's uh, we talked a little bit off mic about how my headphones are broken and so i was watching this episode of arthur uh with the sound on and uh i'm at my my family's house and so I, uh People kept making remarks as they were walking by the screen, and, and my little sister, who is also four years younger than me, uh, was sort of having a laugh at uh, some of DW's behavior in the, the second half of the episode we're going to talk about today. So it's funny that you mentioned that.
0: Our next one is uh, called A New Devoted Fan, and it's from Sydney. ...who wants to thank us for creating the podcast. Arthur has been a true constant for me in my life. A familiar home base that I could always return to for some comforting, lighthearted content... ...when things got chaotic or bad. Having a podcast about it gives me those same wonderful feelings every time I listen to it. Aww. You guys have such a nice rapport and the way you take time. Breaking down each episode is especially entertaining. During the school year, I work 14 hours a week at my university campus in genetics labs... ...which can be pretty dry if you don't have something good to listen to while you're doing lab tasks... So I'm excited to know I'll be returning to university this year with the backlog of your podcast to listen to at work. I wish you guys every bit of luck and fortune and I hope you continue making these episodes and now I'm going to listen to your newest one this would be the last one because it covers one of my favorite sets of episodes the world of tomorrow and is there a doctor in the house both of which fulfilled my greatest childhood fantasies of sleeping overnight in a science museum and being entrusted with responsibility yeah I was kind of a nerdy precocious kid that's from Sydney uh, hailing from South Carolina or Durham North Carolina during the school year our next one comes from Hernan Morales who wanted to say that he really liked the uh, our previous episode, episode 103. Uh, that said, is there a doctor in the house? Usually an episode I would list in my least favorite pre-season 10 episodes list. DW gets go-away heat from me when ta- when she's talking <laughs> about paper bag puppets, and I was glad it got no mention. Yeah, it's I, it, they just kind of needed DW to be doing something annoying, so it's just like, eh, we don't really need to go into depth about that. I kind of agree with you, Hernan. I definitely agree with your comments at the end where the episode lacks in plot. It makes up in jokes and relatable ideas. I laughed out loud in the middle of the grocery store when y'all came across DW's deadpan delivery of I sent Kate to to an orphanage. (laughs) I wanted to correct you in regards to Binky's use of the name Engelbert Humperdinck. Oh. While there is a pop singer with this name, he's not the original. He borrowed the name from a 19th century German composer who is best known for an opera version of Hansel and Gretel. So that makes what? that makes a bit more sense. Binky's very tuned into classical music.
1: Oh, okay, interesting. Now, I mean, did you ever go back and listen to that song? By the way, it was it was I a never banger. Did you know? Okay, I don't even remember what the song was, but <laughs> it was whatever whatever Engelbert Humperdinck song was big in North America because he had better, bigger hits in in Europe. But I I looked for you know to my Western tastes, <laughs> I wanted to see what this this Humperdinck. Humpeldink Dink uh, hype was all about, and I was not disappointed.
0: I should though. I, should, I, I, should, I mean, for the for for just to say that I did.
1: Yeah, do a filibuster just <laughs> reviewing the works of Engelbert Yeah, I'm,
0: I'm sure that'll go over real well. Uh, I love that Arthur is watching telenovelas because it seems so out of character. And in the other episodes, he would have said that Days of Our Lives or whatever that's based on is too boring or dramatic. But he's eating it up here. Can't wait for the uh, for the next steps, Hernan.
1: I, in Arthur's defense, I don't. Even when you're in single digits, if you're home from school and there's nothing to watch, you'll find yourself watching an episode of, of Passions, Passions or, yeah, or or <laughs> whatever, like G it's, H it's, General it's, Hospital. It's, yeah, it's it's Price is Right, uh, Price is Right, Maury, and um a lot of a lot of soaps, a lot of
0: soaps yeah exactly and uh yeah yeah pretty much i mean that's what's that's what's on in the middle of the school day so really you're not missing all that much because like what ytv is probably just playing stuff for preschool kids
1: i you know what i know a lot of people of all those soap opera shows a lot of people my age i talk to they have fondness for watching passions when they were a kid i think that was every every sorry go ahead I was just gonna say every time I ever like saw Passions, like I walked by a TV and Passions was on, something like insane was happening, like something just absolutely positively ludicrous, even by soap opera standards. Like I know the soap opera idea of like crazy is that, you know, someone is sleeping with someone and then they die and come back with an eye patch and it's like their twin with the eye patch, but Passions like had witchcraft, it had like, that, that supernatural stuff. That little
0: boy who was actually a dummy. Like yeah, uh, see. yeah, exactly. Like it was, it was really close to something that like kids would be interested in because of all this, you know. Like you, like you said, with witchcraft and wizardry and all this weird stuff. We've definitely talked about passions before because that is like I, I do.
1: <laughs> I was just thinking to myself, I was like, you know what? I think me and Will have talked about passions on the show before. <laughs> well, for... that's another filibuster about passions.
0: Oh my god. I wonder if you could actually find those episodes anywhere. I wonder if it, I don't think it's still going on, but uh, yeah,
1: I gotta get the gotta get the Blu-ray. No, it ended. I remember when it ended.
0: Okay, it's got it's got a really sweet theme song too. It's like very maritime. It's got that like uh, Ooh. it's got a little bit of that Irish flute going on. It's it's very pleasant to listen to. And finally, we have Arthur references in real life from one of our pa- from one of our patrons, Christine Wong. Happy July, Will and Lucas. With your last episode fresh in my mind, I was walking to work, and guess who I saw was on the marquee at our local theater? And she sent me a picture. And her local theater is advertising Engelbert Humperdinck. Oh my
1: gosh! <laughs> I didn't realize that this was going to be such a such a sticking point—the Engelbert Humperdinck stuff.
0: It just sticks in people's minds. It's—I I think that's the advantage of having such an outrageous name. Maybe it's one true—you know—Nicholas Cage
1: changed his name because you know people have stage names all the time. But I feel like few rival the record, you know, the notoriety as uh, or or memorability as the name Engelbert Humperdinck.
0: Um, and maybe one day we will see Elwood City Limits live in lights on the same sign. I feel like when we start touring Elwood City Limits is when like society completely breaks down and like we don't have television anymore. So in order (laughs) to make money, you and I just go from city to city around the world and just recite Arthur episodes.
1: Yeah, we're like the like the caveman equivalent of the dude who tells a story by the fire. Yeah. It's like, "Let me tell you a tale of one author Reed."
0: And the um, D.W. and the Snooble.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um I I don't think it's too crazy for us to do a live show someday, but definitely not anywhere other than here.
0: <laughs> yeah, like uh, we're, we're going to start uh, small, but hey, uh, n- uh,
1: never say never. Never say never, but I for the for the recent time being, if you want to see Elwood City Limits live, you're probably going to have to travel to beautiful Nova Scotia, Canada.
0: Yeah. Um.
1: And come, but hey, and I'd would re- recommend that anyway.
0: And come to our apartments and watch us record. <laughs> yeah, in yeah, our yeah exactly.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know about you. I'm wearing I'm wearing basketball shorts right now.
0: Uh, I'm keeping it decent. No, 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 no. I had to work today, so off the pants come once I get home. Nobody else can see me. You can. Ima- imagine whatever imagine whatever you want my actually my underwear has mustaches on it
1: theater of the mind okay ooh this is this is elwood city limits after dark
0: <laughs> elwood city limits blue i uh, christine continues here i feel like since i've started listening to your podcast i'm always thinking of arthur in the back of my mind yeah welcome to my world for instance i've attached a photo i took of some ducks i saw this winter uh and it's um it's a duck near a danger, thin ice sign. And then she coupled it with that sign can't stop me because I can't read. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> That's good. I like that. And I've also downloaded the screenshot of Buster saying, do you really think someone would do that? Just go on the internet and spread lies which, to be honest, is an appropriate response to 75% of the message I receive. Are there any ways Arthur has infiltrated your life unexpectedly? And Christine outs herself as our faithful TV Tropes editor. So maybe we have her to at least partially thank for keeping the Elbert City Limits TV Tropes page updated. Christine, thank you very much. Uh, Ways in which Arthur has infiltrated our lives. Um,
1: I mean, I feel like we bring this up almost every episode where there's been so many things, countless things where we've been like, I'm pretty sure the first time I ever heard of this was from Arthur or uh, being like, every time I see this thing in real life, Arthur's the first thing I think of. Um, There's almost too many to name really off the top of my head. Um, For me,
0: it's like hmm. there's a lot of Arthur like, Um, merchandise I'm becoming aware of that is marketed to people our age like there's an Instagram model that I follow who like wears an Arthur t-shirt sometimes when she goes to one of her like chem labs or whatever it is or like the DW pin that uh, our patrons sent us as well like just these little bits of like how Arthur continues to live on uh, past the age demographic it's kind of intended for
1: well, I'll also say this is that um, people, when people in in real life, IRL, figure out about this podcast, uh, and I become known as like the Arthur guy. Yes, it's always interesting to me to realize how many sort of different types of people my age still think of the show so fondly. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I, I, I remember explaining this podcast to people in my public relations class, and, and sometimes, remember all those episodes we recorded after I was watching the episode in the in the Common yeah. at the Nova <laughs> Scotia Community College? Yes. There's a couple of those. Um, and it's funny because my classmates would walk by and remark, and they'd be like, oh, that's the episode where the... Uh, sort of the Hispanic family moves in next door to them, and I was like, "How do you remember this episode?" And I didn't. Yeah. You know what I mean? I'm always surprised. Yeah, you're. The, yeah, you're
0: the how... Arthur guy.
1: I'm. I'm the Arthur guy, but all these these uh, uh, all these other people uh, remember the episodes just as well, if not better. So it's interesting to see just. How much people, how much the show means to people our age, and how much that always comes up. It's never, um, when it's people our age, they're never like, oh, really? the The Arthur show, like for mm-hmm. kids, they always are like, oh my god, are you lose to love Arthur?
0: Or, or I can't believe that show's still on. That's that's when mm-hmm. I get all the time. Yeah, me and mean either. Well, thank you, everybody. City at gmail.com was filled to bursting, and uh, we are very happy that you sent us that while we were gone. Thank you once again. If you want yours, we're on the air. Uh, please let us know. elwoodcitylimits City Limits at gmail dot com, and we're finally going to get into this episode.
1: Oh, oh! And before we get Whoa. into the episode, one more piece of house cleaning. Thank you, everybody, oh, who yes. voted, nominated us for the Best of Halifax Awards. I don't remember when the nominees are announced. I think it's like Aug- September. Th- no, I think it's Aug- August oh. the first. Well that's coming up. So we'll, we'll let you know, fingers crossed that we're once again nominated. And then you, um, and then
0: you may hear from us again, because then we'll need you to vote for us to win this time. If, yeah, if, biggity, if, if big, we get nominated,
1: Vigity vote, we need your, your Viggety vote. Uh, but we'll, we'll see. First of all, we got to get that hot namo. Uh, And then we'll we'll check back in on that. But thank you, everyone. Even if we don't get nominated, thank you, everyone, who took the time out of their day to head over and nominate us for the Best of Halifax Award.
0: Yes, thank you very much. We really appreciate it. And we really appreciate the efforts of our patrons. And of course, this episode is brought to you by the likes of Aaron DeFilippo, Caitlin Harrington, Chander LeFave Bowden, our favorite TV Tropes editor, Christine Wong, Christopher Eiffel, Sierra S, Crescent Fresh, Dan Mike Dawson Silva, great Twitter, Dan Mike Dawson Silva has, Emily K and Froppy, Ian Collis and Jake Bailey, Joe Sue, John Dulong, who I'm actually going to go see tomorrow, John Griswold, Kat, Kaylin Krogall, Kevin Noon, Leanne S, Light, relentless. Macy Ball. Passion fruit pavlova. Riley Stevens. Ross Ward. Shayna Bennett. Stella Teresa and William. Remember, patrons, if you haven't gotten your link for our private ECL Discord, please let me know. Some had some fun conversations in there in the last couple of weeks, especially that one about chickens. I uh, quite enjoyed that.
1: I forgot. Yeah, that was. There's some some odd stuff happening in the Elwood City Limits Discord.
0: And we are uh, every time
1: you read out the every time you read out the patrons' will. I'm always like, oh yeah, Froppy from My Hero Academia <laughs> donated money to us. That's, it always tickles me when I just to hear you re- say the words Froppy out loud.
0: And we are at 28 patrons currently. We are very close to our uh, quote unquote goal of 40. Remember when we hit 40, I have to go see Sonic the Hedgehog when it comes out next year.
1: And Will, you'll be excited to hear that they pushed it back up again. So it will hit his Valentine's Day release date. So oh,
0: uh, I nice.
1: guess guess what you're doing on Valentine's, buddy? Not spending seeing time uh, with my wife. <laughs> <laughs> See <seeing laughs> Sonic the- Hey, you could bring her.
0: I g- Hey, honey.
1: This is what here's our Valentine's Day date. We're gonna watch uh Sonic the Hedgehog.
0: Consider that a divorce. <laughs> I I did d I don't think so. But hey, if you want to uh, put me in the doghouse. Uh, Patreon.com slash ElwoodCityLimits, and thanks to all our patrons. All right, so let's get into it. This is Prunella Sees the Light, which um, you and I have kind of had our feelings about Prunella, but i got to be honest, I think that uh, we've got something good going on here. We're going to get into this in just a little bit here in the cold open, uh, where it's... Prunella is in this is is uh, predicting something for Buster and her crystal ball and uh, she's uh, you got to respect Prunella's grift here is uh, she see she kind of pictures this black space where Ratburn is handing out these really really tough math exams and uh, then she's just like oh I can't see the future's too clouded I need more candy and I'm less like oh here we go this is a this is a top 10 grift right here.
1: Uh, the way she describes it, it's like Buster walks up to this door. It's almost like she's a D and D dungeon master or something, where she's like describing. She's like, you walk up to this door and you open the door, and when Buster opens the door, and it's like all these, these kind of disembodied students floating around in space doing math homework and all these equations floating in the air. It reminded me of that creepy Mark Twain animation. Do you know what I'm talking about?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Oh, gosh, I forget the name of the movie. But yeah, that's like, speaking of TV tropes, that's like one of the first videos that you find the first time you go into Nightmare Fuel and the, the tale of the mysterious stranger. I've watched that thing so many times, it chills me to the bone every time. It's so creepy.
1: And only thing creepier than that is, and I can relate to this with Buster, is these math equations. Who boy, a plus a two plus a three d- uh, equals. Oh, this is this is no good. This is so, high school uh, math, man. Oh yeah. So Buster is obviously he's pretty, pretty out of sorts about the whole thing, and yeah, he he wants, but Prunella will only continue to tell him the future if he pays the piper and gives her more candy. And, and unfortunately, she, yeah, he only has one one piece of candy left. Um, and we get a great
0: moment where Buster's like, "It was a long walk over." I love that he got so bored on his walk that he just had to eat. It it really is at times a compulsion to this young man, which hey, I can understand that completely. And we get a little bit of a uh, an actual uh, foretelling of the future where uh, Prunella's friend Marina uh, gets so upset with her that she yell- that she yells at Prunella. So maybe some stormy seas ahead. And we start off actually so. In a previous episode, where we introduce Marina, who is blind, uh, she and Prunella make friends over Henry Screever, which is the Harry Potter uh, parody on the show, and we actually get a look into a trailer for the new Henry Screever movie coming out. It's and he confronts his greatest nemesis, Lord Moldywart, as he's looking <laughs> for the. Uh oh, the the Brick of Wonders. That's what it's called. Because that's the name of the movie, Henry Screever and the Brick of Wonders. I, I, I kinda like the I like that they brought they continue to bring back Henry Screever. Like I feel like that could have been an easy one off joke, but they do they do get the most out of it, especially considering they tie it up with Prunella and Marina's friendship. So uh and I mean Harry Potter is as popular then as it is now, so uh, it's definitely maybe a even, maybe even
1: more so then, right like th- at that point it
0: was really just quite the cultural
1: phenomenon. um this would have been at like the kind of the a- the apex or the height of Harry Potter popularity,
0: Yeah, spe- um, especially among the the demographic of kids who are watching Arthur at the time, yeah, yeah. And I gotta say, so you, you, and I, in the early seasons of this show, were pretty critical of Prunella, but her friendship with Marina is very cute. Like, there's a, yeah, like they just have this thing here where like they're they're both pretending to be Henry Screever characters, and Marina's trying to tickle her, and I was just like, this, it's so innocent and pure, and uh, just a just a great friendship. I really liked that.
1: Something else that's innocent and pure. We s- smash cut to the mall. And I love that they're keeping the continuity of having... I love it whenever this pops up. The the pig that's eating the piece of cake Yeah. that when DW was lost in the mall was like, that looks like Arthur. Mm. Um, great that they've kept that.
0: I You know what? I, I actually didn't notice it, but it is right there in the foreground. Um, yeah, Buster is still pestering Prunella to kind of give him a, another reading here, and he offers her some Buster Clusters. Yes, Speaking another callback yeah. to,
1: to Buster Clusters.
0: So apparently not only do they taste terrible, but Prunella's like, oh, those chocolates that turn your tongue black and give you a rash? Now here's the question, Will.
1: Because he, he says, Buster talks about how he made them himself. Are these a... I don't know what's worse. Is this an old box of Buster clusters from two years ago or one year ago when he, you know, had that debt to pay to the school and had to make new chocolates himself? Or has Buster since then continued his business of making Buster? So these are either year-old chocolate or Buster has continued... Uh, uh cr- creating his weird, off-brand budget chocolate.
0: I think it's probably the former. I feel like Buster's the kind of guy who would just hang on to that and expect other people to like it. And, like, he's got chocolate all around his mouth, so he's been eating them, too. And, and of course, he, like, puts out his tongue and it's black at the end of the scene. So, I'm gonna say they were probably old on top of being, like, legitimately harmful to your health. <laughs> uh, So... Uh Prunella is preparing a sleepover for herself and Marina. Uh she's really excited about it. Uh like I like I said, their friendship is very, very cute. Uh she goes to sleep here. Did you notice this? She sleeps with a nightlight. Oh well, so before we before we get to the nightlight, so she's the way she's preparing
1: this sleepover is that she is uh uh Though I didn't know this the night like thing, I definitely want to get into that in a second. Yeah, um, but uh, uh I, I did want to point it so she's preparing this kind of lavish sleepover that's like Henry Screever themed. So yes. she's putting all this work into uh recreating a room from the book. Um, and Buster kind of says, Uh, that's your friend who's blind, right? Uh, kind of perplexed of why she's putting all this effort in if the yeah. um, if Brunella's friend can't see it. But I will say, you know, talking about female friendship and stuff like this and how cute it is that just putting in all this effort, it reminds me when my friend Mike, uh, when we would have WrestleMania nights, and this was not that long ago, uh, would spend like 80 bucks at Party City <laughs> buying all the wrestling decorations meant for like seven year olds yeah. and completely decorated in his apartment with, with uh, uh, memorabilia for WrestleMania. So I understand a little. Uh, this kind of stuff goes a long way I think, especially when you're having like a sleepover with your friends or what have you
0: I did a similar thing for one of my Wrestlemania get-togethers we would like printed out this Wrestlemania sign so we could all point to it my wife made uh Wrestlemania themed jello shots which I oh. which I really appreciated that extra little thing there yeah I know what you mean there's just a kind of excitement you get when you can prepare like a themed party and like you have a a, a bit of an eye for like what goes into a themed party um, yeah, so Prunella sleeps with a nightlight, like, the exact same type that Binky has. Binky sure could have used her backup when he was going through all of that.
1: Was, was she one of the people who was, like, straight up mocking Binky? Like, I'm trying to think about the, like, I don't I know hear the she... voice in my head of, like, Binky's got a nightlight. Well, I night. think
0: Prunella's in, like, a grade above them, so I don't know if she's in the same class. But, like, even still, it's just like, oh, well, then it's not such a big deal. Too bad Binky didn't know about that. So she has this dream where essentially she creates this whole thing, this whole get together for Marina, and it's her, her anxiety is that it's not going to be accommodating enough to her as a blind person. Like again, that thing that you said about Buster, where it's like, how will she know what you're doing? She can't see, and so in her dream, like she creates all of these like dioramas and like uses a certain type of. Uh, like sheet and Marina can't see any of it. And it just kind of ends up frustrating her and she ends up uh leaving. She's uh, Marina has a great line here, which I really want to co-opt for like social media. Why don't you? Be- I, I,
1: I, I, kn- I know exactly what line you were thinking of. This is like the modern day buster being like, you're saying someone would go on the internet and lie. This is another very like memeable line.
0: So right like, here. again, Prunella is just, she didn't even consider the fact that like, Mar- marina wouldn't be able to enjoy this stuff because she's blind and then she marina says why don't you be quiet before you say something else mean and offensive <laughs> and so she wakes up with this anxiety that she's got to be more considerate of uh marina's uh being blind and she happens to talk to Muffy about this first who we get some casual ableism here from Muffy, who's just like uh you know Renella's talking about how worried she is about this and, and Muffy's like well why don't you just install a ramp and and Renella's like she's blind not in a wheelchair and I was like you know what it's probably best that we don't talk to Muffy for very long in this episode let's just uh, let's just move on from there
1: uh, my dad audibly laughed at what muffy said why don't you just install, install a ramp
0: it's it's very it's very uh ignorant for sure like it's it's not not that it's unfunny but it's also just like okay it's actually kind of smart like acknowledging that muffy has no concept of like um disabilities like I'm sure that well would be also true.
1: that but also the logistics of Purnell is like I can't just remodel my like a room uh saying that like muffy also doesn't understand that other people aren't able to just at the drop of a hat uh they don't have the means to install the ramp even if she wanted to mm-hmm. um by the way we forgot to touch on um when uh uh did we talk about how uh, in prunella's imagination she gets turned into a giraffe
0: oh no um, uh yeah that's at and- the end of the dream
1: and it's not really a humanoid giraffe. It's just like a giraffe, giraffe. And it's like, I mean, we don't have to really get into this, but I mean,
0: to I, be, do I even
1: ha- do I even have to say it? Will
0: to be honest, I didn't even think about it. Like, I think that's where we're at with it. So no- note it, and let's let's move on like we we, we we hit our quota so let's yeah let's keep going um, I, I wrote a note here I said this seems like a very Arthur problem like worrying excessively about something that may or may not happen that seems something it's like a it's been the genesis of quite a few Arthur centric episodes but we don't often see it with many of the other characters
1: you know what though what it humanizes prunella I'd much rather this than her uh you know, being mad about a poly locket or something. You know what I mean? Well, this is a much more relatable situation.
0: Well, and I think the, um, I think the way this episode is set up it does kind of uh, subvert what a normal pass an episode like this would be. And we can talk about that later. Uh, so Prunella goes about kind of, making her place a bit more quote-unquote palatable for a blind person. Like, she she uh, takes up the carpet, she puts all the board games in a box, she she ties a string around the toilet and kind of leads it up to her room so that uh, Marina can find her own way. And uh, this is actually, we get, we get a little something here for Rubella as well. Like, her sister Rubella asks the correct question of, like, Do you really think all this is is necessary? Like, why don't you just ask Marina what she needs? Which, of course, would solve this immediately.
1: You know you acted a fool when Rubella is the (laughs) voice of reason. You know what I mean? It's true. However, however, However I felt about Prunella... Uh, I feel that way about rubella tenfold Because rubella's old enough to know better You know what I mean? Yeah,
0: exactly Um, I think this is a rubella line uh, What's more important? A good time with your friend Or a swear on a piece of cheese And you know what?
1: When you put it that way I really have to think about it Mm. Uh, Cheese is good, man
0: But I don't know how legally binding cheese is Hmm, hmm, hmm I don't know uh, is it
1: holy cheese? Is it ordained? I don't know. <laughs>
0: uh, yeah, and it, perhaps the type of cheese is uh, uh, ties into how honest it is. It's, uh, it's uh, I don't know. <laughs> um, so Prunella is just on her way to go ask Marina what she needs for the sleepover, but she actually runs into Marina at the soccer field, and she's playing soccer. This is another thing, like, when we did the episode with Jenna about... Um, She has like the, the beeper thing about like when she's about to wet the bed and we asked if that was real and apparently it is. This is another thing that I'd actually really like to know about. So Marina's playing soccer by having like this little beeping device in the soccer ball that lets her know when it's nearby.
1: At this point, I, I must assume it's real, right? Because I feel like they wouldn't include it if it wasn't.
0: No, I bet it is. But I've just—it's just funny that I've never really heard of it, and I wonder if it's yeah, same still. Here. I wonder if it's still used, and I wonder if they use it for other sports too. Anyway, I thought, I thought, I a, thought it was super cool.
1: There's a great line because uh, Prunella is about to kind of heed her sister's advice and and ask, um, sort of, is there anything special you need for our sleepover? Right. It's offered that she she goes over to um marina's Marina's house yeah instead uh and so then marina inquires she's like well is there anything else you wanted to ask me uh and she her quick answer is i don't eat eggplant
0: (laughs) yeah and i i just want to tell you i don't eat eggplant all right well you're missing out on bob ganoush my friend and that uh that's that's a damn shame uh so yeah they do move the sleepover to marina's place um, it's at this point we get a little bit of a shift in the episode. So now they're at Marina's house. Like, uh, Prunella, you know, is asking her, is asking herself like, how did you know where that is? And she's like, it's my house. I know where things are. And they kind of just do normal activities, but Prunella is being very, cautious i guess you could say uh
1: well so they they sit down for dinner and uh marina has like a system with her mom where her mom is like using the hands of the clock to say where the food is right yeah. so she's like oh the hot dogs at three o'clock or whatever um but which is by the way uh they use the same system to identify f- where the food is on the table that you would find an enemy in Fortnite. uh <laughs> but um uh oh,
0: marina's Mar- marina's probably nuts at Fortnite.
1: oh yeah definitely uh guys on 330 they're peeking <laughs> uh, uh yeah someone someone's building at 220 yep they're building they're building up
0: what do you think yeah, her role don't. is on a Fortnite team like what do you think she excels in
1: oh my god i probably everything i bet she's like a Fortnite. i bet uh, all the arthur kids are young enough that they're probably all Fortnite savants could you imagine <laughs> francine playing Fortnite? we saw the confusion i can't oh, believe we be never wor- talked
0: to she'd be the worst to play with or against oh my
1: god yeah, the emoji button, the, the, the floss button would be worn out, you know what I mean? The oh, and, doing the L dance. Oh,
0: and Muffy's doing all the, the in app purchases. She's running oh, up a yeah, daddy's Muffy, bill. You,
1: Muffy would love Fortnite just because like she would just buy outfits and stuff. Like she, she'd be she, wearing like she Tricera she, ops. She, she
0: bought the John, John Wick she bought the John Wick thing. Yeah, 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 for sure. <laughs> yeah,
1: Muffy Muffy's got V Bucks to spare.
0: Oh, um You hate to see it uh so yeah the, that's that's the thing is that and, and you know yo. what
1: the, the end of the episode would be the do you know who would be the best of fortnite buster dw it'd be oh, dw of
0: course of course
1: because she's even younger she's got that gen z fortnite skill you know what i mean i feel
0: like dw would really shine in minecraft i think minecraft's probably more her speed
1: <laughs> either way she'd be as if we're getting into this line of thinking she'd definitely be a tiktok star
0: oh yeah absolutely <laughs> I, th- I think she's definitely got the mind for it. Unfortunately, that's that's about all I got on TikTok.
1: Yeah, I was like, what were we talking about? I guess? <laughs> so we're talking about- Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. So so is kind of taking it too far. And she's like, the salt's at 350, and this is there, and this is there. And it's like, that that's just one example. But Her- she's kind of doing it with a lot of things in the house. For instance, Marina almost trips on uh, a carpet and- Prunella kind of, like, freaks out, like, oh, my God, look out! And Marina was like, oh, I thought you the way you were yelling, I thought the house was on fire or something.
0: Essentially, the way that she's treating Marina is she's treating her with kid gloves. Like, she's really trying to baby her because she doesn't really understand. This is kind of the, the switch of the episode. So, like, when you watch this episode first, and let's say you kind of know the gist of it going into it, of just, like, oh, Prunella's going to have a sleepover with her friend, her, her friend who's blind, but she doesn't know how to know how to like act properly around that. I feel like that would be, that would be your normal line. That would be your normal storyline for like your typical kids show. But like right about here, it's where we see things a bit more from Marina's perspective, where like uh, Prunella is being so extra cautious, and she's like really bending over backwards to try and essentially baby Marina that Marina gets upset about it. Like she falls, she like just falls over innocently. Like she just trips and Prunella like freaks out, but Marina gets angry about it. She's just like, stop treating me like I'm, you know, made of paper or whatever. She doesn't say that, but like you're essentially treating me like I'm, you know, fragile. And she gets really mad about that. I feel like that's a perspective that you don't see a lot in other kids' shows. It's, like, essentially the perspective of somebody who's disabled in one way or another.
1: Well, it's so interesting you say that, Will, because this is another moment where my dad walked by. And working with the municipal government, there's a lot of decisions, you know, he has to make in terms of uh, making things accessible to people with disabilities or underprivileged groups and stuff like that. And he made a remark about how, you know, he... Uh, really enjoyed the message of this episode uh, because he said that, you know, before he started working in the municipal government, there was a lot of things he didn't realize about how people want things to be accessible, but they don't necessarily want to be um, isolated or, or sort of highlighted that there's, so uh, the examples he gave me was, uh, for instance, the bus tickets. They have uh, special low-income bus tickets, right? So if you're you're making under a certain amount of money, you don't have to pay as much for a bus ticket. But they were like a different color, and people complained because they didn't want to be, um, z- 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 sort of highlighted yeah. that. Oh, you know, I'm a person who's using low-income bus tickets. Or another, again, transit example is that um, the older buses, uh, when when a person in a wheelchair sits on the bus, the kind of the place where the wheelchair goes, they have to face everyone else on the bus as opposed to looking forward like all the other seats mm-hmm. on the bus and that was another issue where it's like well i, I want to be like everybody else where i look forward so um it's a fine line between making things accessible and sort of uh, uh alienating people and so um this episode does this you know tactfully enough um and and uh, uh, sort of carefully enough, it executes on this moral it's so well that even you know my father was it, it it resonated with him. So I thought that was interesting.
0: I and I really I I I think there's there are some episodes that come along where we're just like we don't know enough about this. I think that you and I are we're kind of approaching this situation from Prunella's point of view, where we're both you know relatively abled, and I feel like I would be. I, I I really felt Prunella's position. I really want to be accommodating to people who are um, uh, who are uh, I'm sorry, I don't know the proper terminology. Uh, I'm gonna say, dis uh, disabled, handicapped.
1: I mean, but either I, I see what you're saying, and it's like they really actually. It's funny that they pick Prunella of all characters because it's a character we've sort of had trouble relating to thus far. Mm-hmm. But they really effectively show that prunella this whole time her heart's in the right place it's simply a misunderstanding right yeah yeah. um at no point is she malicious uh she's merely misunderstanding and they they really uh do a good job of making prunella not annoying and a really relatable character in this episode and so you kind of see it from her perspective but you also definitely see it from marina's perspective and so that's why it's so effective at, at sort of a teaching tool to kind of talk about a a subject kind of as, as complicated and nuanced as this.
0: And I think it's very appropriate that Marina does get angry about it. Now it's, it's not angry to the point where like they hate each other now or anything like that. It's like, Obviously, kids get angry with each other. People get angry with each other, and especially about something like this. I imagine it's something that Marina is sensitive about, and you know, sometimes you. I imagine that it's must be getting real, get really tiring to have to tell people like, "Don't treat me like I'm a baby," which, which is what I wanted to say earlier. Is that I would really love some input from uh, any members of our Elwood City Limits community who uh, deal with a disability of some kind, and if this uh, spoke to you or represented. Uh, your experience in any way because, unfortunately, we can't go... Lucas and I can't go very far with that, but we'd love to hear from you, either on our email or through social media or if you're a patron, on our Discord, really. And we can talk about that a bit later. Uh, so, so, yeah, but that but this yeah.
1: argument's a pretty heavy moment, right? Like, they're really getting into yeah. it, and it's really, it. It's also pretty sad because we contrast that with how good their friendship was earlier in the episode. Mm-hmm. But, luckily, we get a quick reprise... Repri- uh, uh, there's the tone kind of shifts uh, when we get this scene with Buster. I this was the biggest laugh of me for the whole episode is Buster sort of comes into Prunella's room with a bag full of candy uh, and he says, "Please Prunella, the test is tomorrow."
0: <laughs> and Buster has a little bit of insight on this one be like he, you know, Prunella's in her room crying and he does kind of try to comfort her a little bit but at least by telling her that he didn't appreciate it when people uh, treated him differently because he has asthma, which we saw ourselves firsthand uh, many seasons ago, and it seems to be that the and I believe they, um, either Buster or Marina say as much that I you know the point. The whole thing is is not to take their disability too seriously, and I just wonder how kids at the time or anybody viewing this episode might. Uh, feel about that message coming away from it. Like, I don't really have anything to say about it because it's not something I can... I can't really have an opinion on it because it's just not my experience. So it just makes me curious. I
1: I, I think the point is just that, you know, you don't want to make it the kid's whole identity, right? Absolutely. And we touched on this in the asthma episode as well where Buster's like, I'm still Buster. I just happen to have asthma, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that's what he's trying to impart on Prunella. Um, I like this role for Buster of the voice of reason. It's not a role we often see him in. And I think this is like a fun thing for this episode of Buster being the funny friend who kind of sticks his head in and he has this like sort of funny side problem of he's worried about this test. Uh, but also he kind of offers some advice and Prudella also quickly tells him if you study, you're, you're probably going to do fine. And so yeah. then we, they go to Henry Screever and then we see another sort of technology I've not heard of before, which is closed captioned, uh, headphones at the movie yeah, theater. Uh, des- I,
0: I w- De- descript- descriptive audio service. Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, not closed captioned. Yes, the opposite. <laughs> uh, 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 yeah, I'm pretty. I'm
0: pretty sure this is something that they still do to some degree at movie theaters, and of course you can get it on uh, TVs as well. I also wanted to note here that like it's literally we go from a scene where Prunella is like I have some apologize I have some apologizing to do. She takes the candy over to Marina's, but we don't see that. Like they're literally friends in the next scene, which I also think is a good. Uh, A good thing because it means that the focus of the episode isn't their argument it's the focus of the episode is how Marina feels and how Prunella reacts to it and in the end they're still friends it's just something that they both mostly Prunella had to kind of get over.
1: I also think another realistic aspect of this episode it realistically portrays fandom, and that they both hated the movie.
0: Yes, I loved this. Like, I loved that this was <laughs> they're the end- they're both like, "Damn, that movie sucked." <laughs> like literally, it shows them watching the end of the Henry Screever movie, and they come out and they're just like, "Yeah, th- yeah, dude, that blew." <laughs> like the actor was all wrong like this looked completely different from the book i thought that was great like because in again in like every other episode be like wow i can't wait for the next henry screever movie and this one it's just like yo like for real though for real though hey that's gonna be me if they mess up blade
1: you know what i'm saying everybody's all excited about this marvel season four look okay you know me, Will. I do. Not a, not a Marvel guy. I've been pretty outspoken about this. I'm sure. not a big superhero movie guy. Um, to an, but there's exceptions, there's exceptions to every rule. And you and I both know my fondness for the film Blade, mm. starring Wesley Snipes, one of America's greatest actors, Wesley Snipes. Uh, and as part of their big press conference, they announced, as part of this big like Series 4 initiative... They are making a new Blade uh, with the gentleman from Moonrise Kingdom and, and uh, 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 oh gosh, I can't remember his name. Mahers- Ali.
0: Mahershala Ali.
1: Yes, exactly, which is pretty, you know, that's, that's pretty inspired casting, but I will have to see it to believe it will, mm. because I have pretty high standards when it comes to, you know, a movie starring the Daywalker.
0: Of course. I still
1: i still like my fan casting idea of having wesley snipes continue to be blade but old and then the movies about blade's daughter because that's how the comic books went and i just i think you know there's one blade and it's one mr wesley snipes but i haven't i'm gonna go into this with an open mind will. but an open you know hope for the hope for the best expect the worst no plan for the worst hope for the best I don't know about this one. I uh,
0: I would also, I would have also liked an old Blade movie, but I'm, I am kind of the opposite of you. I'm not a big fan of the other Blade movies, so as far as far as I'm concerned, it almost has nowhere to go but up. It could certainly be worse, but let's let's hope not. Uh, I imagine, I imagine people might be in the same position as Prunella and Marina once that Witcher uh, Netflix series comes out. It, uh, you know depending I, on I, how I, on how you reacted to the trailer. I I don't know, it looks okay. Like I
1: don't know, maybe that I like the book. I like the Witcher book. You ever read the Witcher books?
0: I think I tried to read one of them and it didn't take.
1: I really liked I read the one that's like the short stories one and I actually really really liked it. And I've never played the games, but I don't mm. know.
0: Yeah, me neither. Um, but I but I like I was trying to think if there is like something coming out in for me and I'm just like I don't really know if there's anything adapted from something that I have that much um, stake in I guess at this point I, I might be forgetting something
1: but. Uh, I got one
0: for you Will the movie Sonic the Hedgehog coming mm. to
1: theaters February 2020
0: and now a word from
1: Ty <laughs>
0: Sorry, just had to get us out of Sonic the Hedgehog as quickly as possible. And, uh, yeah, it's another uh, another um, a word from us kids that is focused on one person, and it happens to be Ty, who is a little boy, uh, you know, probably around eight years old, and he has prosthetic legs. This was cool. Like, th- there's not, again, there's not a whole lot to say about this one. Ty seems like a pretty cool kid. But, again, we kind of tackle this issue of uh, someone with a disability uh, from their perspective. Like we talk, we talk to them of just like what it's like, how they're kind of treated, how they le- how their legs work, which I thought was really interesting. And yeah, I I I found myself wondering, I wonder how Ty is doing these days. No,
1: Ty Ty again. So every once in a while, a word from us kids. Like usually the kids are pretty awkward. They have that kind of like very kid in front of a camera just style of, of. There's a little bit of awkwardness, but it makes it endearing. But Ty is one of those rare kids. I, and I've, We've had a couple of, a handful of kids like this where it's like, oh, man, this kid's a star. Um, <laughs> and Ty's similar to that way where he's just so well-spoken and so eloquent for his age. And, like, you could tell he's just got a really good head on his shoulders. And it, 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 he's just an interesting character. And I was like, when he talked about you he goes, you know, I wear shorts to show my legs off. I was like, oh, this is great.
0: Yeah. No, Ty's, Ty's a really cool little kid. And I imagine he's probably like our age right now. So again, I genuinely wonder how Ty is doing. So if if, Ty, if you're listening, uh, let us know how you're doing. And before we get into the return of the snowball, let's take a listen to something from us. Hi there, Elwood City Limits listener. Just a quick note here from your buddy, your pal, Will Young, that this show is supported by all of you listeners just like you by the following ways. Facebook.com slash Elwood City Limits. Twitter at ECL Podcast. Tumblr, ElwoodCityLimits.tumblr.com. And Instagram at Elwood City Limits. Drop us a line on social media. We'd love to hear from you. And give us a like, a heart, whatever it is. Email elwoodcitylimits at gmail.com. You can get your email read here on the air. Just send it to us and uh, let us know what you think of the episode, of the show, of anything in particular that we might have talked about or that's on your mind. And you can find the podcast by going to elwoodcitylimits.libsyn.com. And you can find it at your local podcast provider. Now, if the show is not on a service that you use all the time and you'd like to change that, make sure to drop us a line and we will get it on there as soon as as possible. All right, let's get back to the episode now, already in progress. And we're back. It's Return of the Snowball. Lucas, you reacted quite strongly to this the last time we recorded.
1: So I don't think I've ever seen this episode. Interesting. Uh, And this episode, it's a a big deal. Like, even you can tell it's like a big deal. Well, for instance, we don't have our regular um, like intro sort of thing with with you know the circle and the uh whether it's it's buster landing in the spaceship or arthur swimming or one of those instead we have a custom title card uh with a custom font telling us return of the sponge return of the snowball and then there's like a star wars like uh uh, title crawl um and then we get some like parody comedy where it's like buster it's it's dw and arthur like arguing on the title crawl this was just i was not expecting this so
0: yeah it does get the star wars opening i do believe we get a title card after the star wars crawl but uh yeah you're right it does it does happen immediately and there's yeah the joke of arthur and dw fighting about the snowball and, and like immediately i was just like man Still not past that, huh? Like, I, I saw Return the Snowballs uh, as a title, and I'm like, okay, where are we going with this? And then just like DW still talking about Arthur stealing the snowball. And I'm like, it's been seven years, man. <laughs> it's been seven years since that episode. So it's just like, okay, well, if we got to go back here, okay.
1: You know what, though? It was a loose end that never tied up, right? Because last we saw, it was abducted by aliens, and that was kind of it, and DW never still really d- didn't have any closure. So I'm glad that they decided to return to this well of all of them just to close the loop a little bit on this, and what a what a conclusion this is. So DW comes to the, the dinner table, and the snowball has miraculously returned. Now, in-universe, I think two years have gone
0: by. Something like that. We should also mention that it's mom's birthday here, which in the last episode we talked about, it was, you know, mom was all miserable and sick. So it's good to see her happy on her birthday. I appreciated that. So, but you're right. Uh, DW has found the snowball. Let's say, let's just go ahead and say, well, not two years, obviously, because um, the no, nobody's any older. But for us... The snowball episode was season one. So this is uh, six seasons ago. But yeah, DW just finds it on a plate back where it was all of a sudden. Very, very excited to have it back. Very protective of it as well. She really doesn't like she when she puts it back in the freezer, she's like, she's like looking at it all night and it's she's got like the frozen peas under it. And mom is just she's like, mom, close the freezer real slowly. So DW has the first of many dreams about her snowball returning and it's in this like uh, this elegant palace uh, where all of these ice people are like having this party and DW is in a princess dress and a tiara and the snowball has like arms and legs and is dressed in a top hat.
1: My favorite detail of this is that they decided to give the snowball no facial features. Yeah, like it's not like it's like an authorized snowball where it's got a face, like eyes, a nose, mouth, a no. It's just like this, like it's it's pretty, it's almost creepy looking, where it's just like this this featureless snowball wearing a top hat and a bow tie.
0: And he does have he does have a voice. He can talk, and I gotta say, snowball sounds kind of sexy
1: i'm glad you said this too it's funny how they like purposefully gave the snowball like this dreamboat kind of voice or <laughs> yeah. because it's like this whole very like harlequin novel fantasy of, of dw's in this ice castle almost very frozen-esque with all these ice people and then there's this like top hat snowball that's kind of romance singer, and he's like hello dw it's me the snowball like
0: yeah <laughs> that's like i'm i'm so glad i can be back with you again dw and just like oh all right. But um and he kind of the snowball as the episode goes along is a little bit of the devil in DW's ear cuz he's like, you know, he's talking to her out on the ice balcony and is just like, Arthur stole me once, who's to say it couldn't happen again. And- <laughs> And this is what like basically drives DW to madness is that she's trying to always keep an eye on the snowball because she's sure that Arthur will uh, steal it again. She ends up putting it in like one of those takeaway boxes that you get from like a restaurant and sealing it up with tape, Scotch tape.
1: Not only only tape, a bicycle lock,
0: A a bike lock. Yeah. So, and she puts it back in the freezer and she's confident that nobody can get at it, but she's still so paranoid that Arthur would be able to find a way and she makes him so she
1: stays she stays up with the fridge door open yeah uh the freezer door open sort of staring at the open freezer uh and and she also made a mess of the house while she was doing this um and so when Arthur's mom discovers her in the morning she's not impressed
0: no certainly not um DW's trying to find a way to break open her uh, her snowball contraption so that she can figure out if Arthur stole it or not she opens it up and it's definitely smaller uh, which, you know, of course, is because it's been melting a little bit, but DW is convinced. Again, like, just this vendetta against Arthur. So mom, has, mom gets tired of all the time she's opening the freezer, so she puts the snowball in a cooler with some ice packs and, like, bags of ice and stuff like that, so that's where the snowball's gonna stay right next to DW's bed. This whole time, uh, she has another dream of the snowball where it's a little bit smaller and everything is melting a little bit, and, uh... She's like stepping on his toes and everything, and he, again he's just like, just like ugh, the name Arthur just sends a chill down my spine. Don't let him take me again. <laughs> this, 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 it's like it's like a, it's like a force that isn't D.W. I know it's like it's just her anxiety taking form in her dreams, but it's almost like this demon that is not not in D.W.'s head naturally is just telling has this malevolent control over her.
1: I'm glad you brought that up because I don't know if it's that the fact that it doesn't have a face, but there is like a darkness to the snowball where you're like something about this is a little ominous.
0: Yeah, you don't know exactly where he's coming from. There's also a point here. I forget what it's tied to, but like I think it's when DW is trying to bust open her uh, snowball contraption. Like Arthur walks into another room, looks at mom, points to the kitchen and just shakes his head. And I (laughs) thought that was really funny.
1: Arthur's fantastic in this whole episode. Like, when DW brings back the snowball and he's shaking his head back and forth, like he's not even hype. Uh, uh, I There's some real great nonverbal communication from Arthur throughout this episode. Uh, DW starts trying to interrogate Arthur, but her question, line of questioning doesn't get very far. So instead, she calls up the brain. I love um, this. I love this. Oh, my gosh. This whole part is... She- she's so assen- funny
0: she's essentially treating arthur like harrison ford in the fugitive and like there's gonna be the point where like arthur's pointing the gun at her just like i didn't steal the snowball dw with her hands up i don't care <laughs> kind of thing. but yes you're right dw calls brain and she puts like a dish towel over the receiver and like deepens her voice i'm like i'm not sure what the dish towel is accomplishing but it was a really funny visual
1: Oh, and so Brain goes, Arthur, what's wrong with your voice? And DW says, uh, uh, you know, I'm sick, I have a cold. When Brain arrives, uh, DW answers the door, says, Arthur went to the store to get medicine. Um, And then she immediately shoves all the money from her piggy bank into Brain's hand and enlists her to help him figure out what's going on with the snowball, lists him to help her figure out what's going to the snowball, and then we get the line of the episode. I know exactly I, what it I, is. Go ahead. I laughed so hard when this happened where uh, Braid goes, I'm sorry, is Arthur coming back? <laughs> Braid's just like, what is going on? <laughs> yeah,
0: it's like DW takes him up to the cooler, and she's like horrified because the snowball's even like smaller and she hasn't explained any of this to brain and brain for all brain knows he's coming over to see Arthur and he's like, I'm sorry. Is Arthur coming back? Like (laughs) you're right. The delivery on it was very funny. And I just thought that was really good, but he does eventually go along with it. He uh, accepts the some like the, Sort of fake money that DW gives him and tries to figure out exactly.
1: It, it, it starts off with real money, but then eventually DW is giving brain bills that say M-O-N-Y on them. Yeah. Uh, so I assume that is not legal tender. But uh, brain sort of, I think, more so ac- accepts the challenge just because it's kind of a science problem in a way. So he's doing all these equations to try and figure out um, what's going on with the snowball.
0: And he does, you know, he does some experiments about how you would kind of get a snowball from X to Y. And he, it, it, like, eventually he seem figuring out all of the viable freezers that a snowball could have been in within a 10-block radius until uh, Arthur comes home and Brain realizes that he's been tricked by DW into doing all this work for essentially nothing. Uh, a little bit of a dalliance, but I thought it was at least kind of creative. Brain does
1: figure out he... he... Has sort of a, a an epiphany where he looks at the back of his freezer, finds freshly bought ice cream from Brain's mom's store. Which one thing is, I did not know they had their own tub brand, like Ben and Jerry's style, like you could have take home mm-hmm. ice cream from Brain's store. That's cool. Yeah. Uh, um, to see a mom and pop ice cream place do that, or um, maybe,
0: or maybe you can like for a few dollars more, you can get a tub of a small tub of some of the ice cream. Yeah. And they'll just dole it out to you.
1: Um, but, uh, brain makes the realization that the snowball showed up the same time as, uh, Arthur's mom's, uh, birthday. And so, um, the snowball and the ice cream would, you know, most likely be from the same place.
0: He, he, I think he pretty much figures it out, but he just gets interrupted by Arthur before he kind of makes his final conclusion here. And DW is very upset now because in her imagination, uh, the ice palace she was in has com- has all but completely melted, and the snowball is now you know the size of your hand essentially, and it's getting around in one of its shoes like a like a little raft. And see, it's- this was
1: this was kind of straight up morbid. I don't know what it is with it Arthur. Is. Not since Arthur himself melted into DW's cup in that one episode. Uh, people melting—it's always kind of like ugh. Uh, especially yeah, he, when it's like a, a sentient being, even if it's a snowball. So the, the snowball melting and saying goodbye to DW, even though he's got a little like chipmunk voice because he's so small now. I was like,
0: this is kind of sad. Yeah, it's like, goodbye DW. And it's like DW crying. And it's like, this is a little a little too real for something so silly. And that that's essentially what happens in real life is that the snowball is just a bit of water on the dish that DW had it on. So she puts it in a jar. And this is where Arthur admits that he did it. He put the snowball in the freezer. Uh, like they they do ha- they do hang on they they do hang on that for a second.
1: No 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 yeah it's it's really effective how they're like I did it D W. Uh, but he's not coming clean to the whole crime. He simply put the snowball back because he wanted D W to be happy. It was a it was a flavorless snow cone from Brain's parents' uh ice cream shop. We
0: see uh, a f- Arthur. We see a flashback here of Arthur like noticing that they have snow cones and like a little kid getting one. Was that kid just getting a plain snow cone with nothing on it?
1: He could have been getting like a vanilla one, or a coconut one, or like a hazelnut one, or like a like a lemonade, like a white lemonade. You I I, mean, like
0: I, a... I hope I hope so because it looked it looked plain, and I was like, kid, you know, snow's free, right?
1: Not in the summertime. Well,
0: I guess not. But like, I don't. I'm not clamoring for plain listen, snow.
1: Listen, there was some days this week where if you had offered me a. Free plain snow cone i i would absolutely take you up it's, on it it's just water dog it's just frozen water in 40 degree humidity weather in an unair conditioned office all right, all i will right. i will i will take frozen water as if it is a gift
0: y'all y'all don't have air conditioning that sucks <laughs> that's
1: hey that's how it be sometimes
0: that's true uh, so Arthur does admit that he just he got DW the snow, the snowball from the snow cone machine because she was just kept. T- she basically because she wouldn't shut up about it. It doesn't say that, but it's just like you've been talking about it day in and day out and we're just it's driving us crazy. And there is a part of DW that's like that can't let it go. And she, she's just like, it's like, but why did you take the snowball? He's like, I didn't stop it. And Arthur eventually gives up. And I think it's here that DW is just like, thank, like she says, thank you. Like, I appreciate what you did.
1: She says, thanks for the fake one. It was almost as good. Yeah.
0: She moves on pretty quickly.
1: And she also, I think she does finally admit that she doesn't think Arthur stole. Yeah. She says,
0: deep down, she knows that he didn't. Uh, So I imagine it's just kind of hard for her to let go. And Arthur himself admits nobody knows what happened to it and we get a well I mean we we kind of got closure on this already in the first episode when we admitted it was aliens now it's really aliens like we literally go up to the skies in a UFO and this like alien family like this this alien dad is telling his alien kids like he's browbeating them for stealing DW's snowball and they're both kind of fighting with each other, but, like, he got to eat more of the Snowball than I did. Yeah, one of the aliens is just Binky. Uh, Yo, and and, just I th- and I think the other one is Arthur's mom.
1: Oh, really? That's funny. Yeah. Um, I also don't know if these are the same alien designs of the, the that show up in the original Snowball episode. I kind of remember, because there's a lot of different alien designs in this show. Um, There's ones that are a little bit more humanoid with, like, like weird, like birdo mouths almost. I don't know if you know what I'm talking about. Like some Lloyd in space looking aliens. And I kind of remember those being the ones that snow stole the snowball, but I, I, I'm not, I'd have to go back and look.
0: It's been a while since I've seen uh, those ones, but we've seen this design before. Definitely. Yeah. Um, And it's just like, it's just like, if you kids don't pipe down, you can forget about going to the meteor shower or whatever it was. And uh, yeah, that's how they end the episode. I thought I thought this was I thought that was lame. Like I, I I understand, you know, the use of aliens here and there in Arthur. It's like it's fine, but like well, when they I when mean, they use it to end an episode, it kind of puts a bad taste in my mouth.
1: I well, I kind of love it in the first Snowball episode. Yeah, because I just like it is the most magical realism that Arthur has ever gotten is acknowledging that, like, yes, aliens are real (laughs) in this universe because, like, that is literally the only explanation for the first snowball going missing is that aliens did indeed steal it. Buster was right all along. And that sort of reveal – that is, like, the first hint of, like, Buster being actually right in the entire series. So I kind of thought it was effective that first time. And so as a callback to that, they kind of had to do it, right? Well, like, they had to touch on – it's a snowball episode. They kind of have to bring back the aliens. I do admit it's not – it doesn't hit the same way as it does the first time because we we as the audience we remember we knew what happened to the snowball, but um, they, I yeah they they kind of had to bring the aliens back because it's just so crazy that these aliens stole D W Snowball. Like it is the only thing like that in Arthur. Where there's all these ridiculous situations in Arthur, but they're almost always dream sequences. This might be the actual craziest thing that has happened in Arthur is that aliens invaded Earth and all they took was D W Snowball.
0: Yeah, I mean, you're right. It's not like Arthur veers into this very often, so it doesn't bother me all that much. Just like, yeah, okay. This is a little limp to me. All right, uh, let's wrap up with by talking about these episodes. Lucas, what did you make of Prunella Sees the Light? Well, we talked
1: a lot, uh, kind of qualitatively about this episode as we were walking through it but i think you know the big things to highlight that we've already kind of touched on is that one i think this is by far the best prunella episode ever yes. in terms of uh redeeming prunella's character as uh, you know i would no longer cite prunella as one of the most annoying or or sort of x heat characters in arthur um that crosses muffys to bear alone Uh, at this point, so this kind of totally, like, changes Prunella's character and makes her more relatable than she's ever been, and her heart's in the right place, and that brings me to my next point, which is that it really effectively communicates this complicated moral about, you know, people who have disabilities are just like you or me, but they do definitely do have those disabilities, but it's important not to sort of alienate them by making them feel... Um, making too much of a big deal about it and sort of tiptoeing and and treating them with care and and sort of um, mostly the biggest issue of the episode is communication and that the biggest falling of failing of Prunella is that she didn't really just ask uh oh hey do you need any special circumstances like this instead she kind of made assumptions and that was kind of her downfall and so I think you know if my dad's comments speak to anything I, I think it pretty effectively communicates such a complicated uh, moral especially for a kids show
0: I agree um so I said said this a little bit and discussing the episode itself um but and I've definitely said this about other Arthur episodes, but it pleases me that I can keep saying it, that when Arthur decides to tackle something like this story, it does it in a way that not a lot of other kids' media would do it. Because I feel like other kids' shows, and no, no just kind of generally, I'm sure that there are other kids' shows that do just as well, if not better, but... I feel like there are a lot of other shows that would choose to take the easy route and you can see the easy route throughout this episode and you can see the writers of Arthur not taking it. The writer of this episode not taking the easy way and instead putting us into Marina's shoes to help understand her a bit better instead of kind of putting it, you know, putting it just like, Oh, how is the abled person going to deal with this? It's just like, well, let's kind of see if we can, represent both sides here and I think that that ends up being a really effective episode as we kind of talked about it the more I was like you know what I really appreciate what this episode did and I hope that uh, people who this issue is a lot closer to I hope that they feel the same way as well I would love to know uh, one way or the other but all that said like even beyond the issue, I think that Marina and Prunella have put to, put together some really fun episodes. I really hope to see them together more. And it has helped me like Prunella a lot more as a more fleshed out character. So I think that that has, has been really good. I also just, I, I, I'm a big fan of them using Henry Screever. I think that that's a really fun thing for Marina and Prunella to have. And I just hope to see more of them. And I thought this episode was great. Uh, Return of the Snowball, on the other hand, I'm not saying it wasn't fun. There were definitely some very funny parts to this, and it's more of a lighthearted episode, even though, like you said, Lucas, there's some surprisingly morbid parts to it, but I also didn't really have a lot to say about it. It's just kind of a fun episode. And that's it. Like, it doesn't do a lot for me. There were points when I was watching this where I was like, man, I can't believe we're still talking about this friggin' snowball. It's been like, like I said, seven years since we started talking about it. And they do kind of hang a lamp a lampshade on that a little bit. Like, there's a part in the beginning where mom's like, oh, no, not that thing again. So I, I think they understand it. And it's, you know, you can bring it back and kind of bring it up for fun every once in a while. And this was, this was I, fine. I mean, it,
1: it's been like six seasons
0: Yeah, yeah, it has been. And with like with mentions here and there, it's just Mm -hmm. it's just funny that they decided now to like put the focus on it big time. So I thought it I thought it was okay, Uh, you know, pretty fun, but it's not really going to stick with me uh, afterwards for very long either.
1: Uh, It's funny that you mentioned that there wasn't a lot to talk about, because I also my notes my excuse me, my notes are pretty light for Return of the Snowball. Um, and usually when that happens, it's usually, like, not that great of an episode because it just didn't inspire that much conversation. But I feel like this is the episode with the least notes that I've actually enjoyed the most, where I was kind of a fan of Return to the Snowball. Now, I'm a little bit of a sucker for the Snowball storyline. I think it's one of those seminal, like, legendary pop culture Arthur storylines. It's up there with stuff like the green chip and... and um, you know, Arthur punching DW in terms of that. It's one of those Arthur things that just everybody remembers, right? Mm. And so having forgotten that this episode even existed, I I too thought we were done with the snowball. So I was kind of pleasantly surprised um, by seeing it come up again. And I don't know. I thought this episode, um, I think I liked it a little bit more than you, just because I thought I liked the, sort of the twist at the end, even though you can kind of see where it's coming, where uh, Arthur was the one who got DW a new snowball. And he says that it's kind of because he's been annoying the whole family. Uh, she's been annoying the family by talking about it all the time. But I also like to think, and this might be more headcanon than when it, what's it actually in the episode, but I also like to think that like, it's this touching thing where it's like, oh, he he wanted to do something nice for his sister because he talks about how he paid for it with his own money and all that stuff. And, and, and sort of I, I, I did really enjoy the note that the episode ends on where DW it's one of those realistic endings where dw doesn't turn on a dime right she doesn't completely forgive him but she forgives him in in her own way where she goes you know thanks for the fake one it was almost as good which i think that rings very true where it's like oh you know this is the best you're gonna get from dw and i thought that was a fun little moment and i don't know I, i i thought it was a really funny episode like i really got a kick out of when brains helping dw like i thought that was a really really funny situation and all the Talking snowball stuff is just weird, so I was into that. I also agree with you though that the alien joke—it could have—I'm not a whole cloth against them using the aliens, but I, I felt like the way they used the aliens in this episode wasn't as effective as in, say, the first snowball episode.
0: I think the point you had about the ending is also very good. I think I think it's more than an implication that Arthur did this out of out of you know deep-seated love for dw if not like you know explicit love uh so i think that is a moment kind of like how i appreciated that you know marina and prunella getting into a bit of an argument is kind of what kids do it's like kids do show affection in this kind of weird way that isn't you know the way the tv shows say say that they do so i think that that's a very true-to-life way that a young brother and sister would kind of resolve this so i think you make a good point there well, Lucas, I don't know if you're aware, but our next episode of Elwood City Limits, season seven's coming to an end. Uh, Just as soon as we uh,
1: we arrived, we're about to say goodbye.
0: I know that you've had some strong feelings about the season so far, and uh, I mean, I have as well. And I think our, our feelings are going to coalesce into what is the season finale of Arthur season seven. Do you know what episode this is going to be, Lucas? No idea. Hit me with it. So next time on Elwood City Limits, we're going to be talking about something that people have been wanting us to talk about for a long time. This, when you, you mentioned here that there are still episodes that people remember to this day. And this is absolutely one Lucas. We're going to talk about April 9th. Well, oh uh, wait. Well, April 9th. Will. Well, yeah. April. No- oh, my it, 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 it might, it might get serious. It might get a little sad, I don't know. I, I'm really looking forward to talking about this. I'm really looking forward to watching it again. This is uh, this is one of the most, I would go just to say, I think it's one of the most memorable episodes of Arthur if you're just talking in a general sense. I'm sure we're going to get a lot of feedback from our listeners who uh, are anticipating this episode being talked about.
1: Oh, and it's the two whole, it's it's the whole episode's just April 9th. It's not a two-parter. Or, yeah, we, it is a
0: two-parter. We get we get two of these in the same season with Elwood City Turns 100 and April 9th. Wow. Uh, well, that's something to look forward to. Sure is, man. Can't wait to end off the season with you, and uh, it's good to be back in the saddle.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Hot Boy Summer continues on. Yeah, <laughs> Elwood well, City limits.
0: And we hope you're, you're enjoying your hot boy summer. And uh, we uh, hope to have you with us next time, whenever that may be. Thank you for sticking with us through the delays. We really appreciate your patience. And uh, we're glad to be back and recording again as we get ready to end off season seven as we knock on the door of our third year anniversary. I wonder if we have something planned. I wonder if I'm going to tell you. Mm, not yet, but we're, we're, we're cooking something up. Anyway, for the time being, this is Will Young, and for Lucas Mancini, Uh, put in a ramp or something. We'll see you next time. Have a great week.